0: This morning we're going to be talking about David's new cart. And the story is found in 1 Chronicles chapter 13, uh, beginning there at verse 1 and going down through verse 12 is what we're going to be looking at today. So I invite you, if you will, to go ahead and open your Bibles to this particular passage. Um, The book of Chronicles is, of course, the Chronicles of the Kings. And even though they parallel some of the information that you find in 1 and 2 Samuel and First and Second Kings, sometimes we find a little bit more detail in the Chronicles because they were the official record, official record of the Kings. And uh, sometimes more detail was put into them. And so we're going to be using this in our text, even though this also appears um, in, in, uh, in, 1, in 1 Samuel. But we want to... Uh, Have that in front of us because the lesson today will be coming from this text. And this story that we find here in 1 Chronicles is more than just an interesting story. As we're going to discover, there's some very powerful lessons that can be learned. But before we look at this particular text, I want to go back to the text that Eric read for us to kind of introduce our lesson today and what we're going to be uh, spending our time concentrating on. If you go back to the text that he read for us there in First Chronicles chapter 15, beginning at verse 12, and it said unto them, ye are the chief of the fathers of the Levites, sanctify yourselves, both ye and your brethren, that ye may bring up the ark of the Lord of God of Israel into the place that I have prepared for. For because ye did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us, for that we sought him not after the due order." So the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel, and the children of the Levites bear the ark of God upon their shoulders with the staves their own, as Moses commanded according to the word of the Lord. Now we're going to get into the background of this particular text and why this text is here. But the thing I want us to emphasize before we actually get into the lesson, the reason why I had Eric read this particular text, is because what we find at the very end of verse 13, where it says, For that we sought him, not after the due order. The original Hebrew here says, Not according to the rule. David discovered that what's going to happen in our lesson today and in our text today happened because David did not follow the due order. David did not do according to the rule. And the order here and the rule here, of course, is the order and the rule of God. David messed up when he didn't follow the order or the rule of God. And we're going to see all the circumstances involved in this and why it's important to us today. But before we actually get into the lesson, let's spend some time on the background here and how we got to this particular point we're going to be looking at in 1 Chronicles chapter 13. David had just now become king. Uh, Saul had been killed. Jonathan had been killed. The Philistines had overrun them. Uh, David was proclaimed king there in Hebron, and he... uh, went and fought with the Philistines and he destroyed them and beat them and now he was ready to take on his kingdom and one of the very first things that he did, he decided that the ark needed to be where the king was. The ark needed to be brought back and put into a place of prominence. Um, as far as the background of where the ark was, it was in a, town, a little town called Kareth-Jarim. And it's a place where it's been sitting during the whole reign of Saul, going all the way back to the times of the judges, back to when Eli was a judge, and the fact that the Philistines came and conquered the land of Israel. One of the things that they took, uh, because the Israelites were very foolish in allowing the Ark to be brought into the battlefront, uh, was that they took the Ark of the Covenant away from the people of Israel and put it in their camp, in the Philistine camp. And we know that God sent a series of plagues upon the Philistines and they realized it was the ark that was causing the problem. So the Philistines said, here, take this ark back. And basically they took it to a person's house and put it in his house and just left it there. And David understood the importance of the ark of the covenant. David understood the importance of how it was a main part of the Jewish religion. David understood that in order to worship God properly in the tabernacle, that the Ark of the Covenant had to be there. David understood one day that he was going to build a, uh, have his son build a beautiful temple, and he wanted that Ark there. So David decided that the Ark needed to be moved to a better and proper place. But during this process... David discovered a very powerful lesson, which is also a lesson for us today. With that background in mind now, let's start looking at some points that we find in the text. First of all, we need to understand that they had a noble purpose in bringing the ark up to Jerusalem. Notice what the text says. You can look on the screen or follow in your Bibles. And David consulted with the captains of the thousands and hundreds and every leader. And David said unto all the congregation of Israel, If it seem good unto you, and that it be of the Lord our God, let us send abroad unto our brethren everywhere that are left all in the land of Israel, and with them also to the priests and the Levites which are in their cities and suburbs, that they may gather themselves unto us, and let us bring again the ark of our God to us, for we inquire not at it in the days of Saul. And all the congregation said that they would do so. For the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. Now, as we look at this text, the thing that impacts me the most is that these people had a very noble purpose in what they wanted to do. These people had some good intentions. They were trying, at least they thought in their minds, trying to do the right thing. And it reminds me of the fact that there are many in the religious world today who are very sincere people, people who are trying to do what they think is the right thing. They had good intentions. Now think about the intentions of this particular text. Think about, if you look between the lines, all the things that are going on here. First of all, they had very good intentions about bringing the ark from where it was, whereas the text says it's been sitting there all the days of the Saul and nobody's inquired of the ark. It's never been used in the worship service there. They had good intentions to putting it back in the rightful place where it needed to be so it can be used in the right kind of way. They had very good and noble intentions. As we're going to discover a few, in a few minutes, David had very good intentions and very noble intentions in building a special new cart to haul this particular Ark of the Covenant in. David understood that this was something from God. David understood that this Ark had special significance. So he wasn't going to put it just on any, any Ark or put it on any cart. He wanted to make sure that it was a cart that had never been used before. It had never been profaned in any way. It hadn't hauled anything in it before. He wanted to make sure that this was a brand new cart that had only been used for one purpose, and that is to haul the Ark of the Covenant to Hebron. David had very good intentions. And also, as we discover in a few moments in this text, uh, this Ark, as it's being carried in this new cart along the way, it uh, comes across a pothole or something. And it causes the ark to stumble. And it's obvious that the ark is about to fall off of this cart. And a man by the name of Uzzah, with very, very good intentions... Because why in the world would you let the Ark of the Covenant slide off of that cart and land in the road and perhaps be broken or tore up or somehow another profane? Uzzah with very good intentions reached up to steady that Ark so it wouldn't fall off the cart and God struck him dead. They all had good intentions. But none of those intentions were according to the due order, or according to the rule, or according to what God wanted. Let me emphasize again that oftentimes in the religious world today, especially in our worship services, We have good intentions. We think that because we do things a certain way that it will be for the best. And we may even think in our hearts that we're giving God the glory and the honor and may think, man, this is just a wonderful thing. But intentions never compare to what the will of God is. Now, as we go through the text, notice what else happens. Religious excitement is no substitute for obedience. Beginning at verse 5, notice what the text says. It says, So David gathered all Israel together from Shihor of Egypt, even to the entering of Hamath, to bring the ark of God from Kareth-Jerim. And David went up and all Israel to Bala, that is, Kareth-Jerim, which belonged to Judah, to bring up thence the ark of God, the Lord that dwelleth between the cherubims, whose name is called on it. And they carried the ark of God in a new cart out of the house of Abinadab. And Uzzah and Eho drove the cart. And David and all Israel played before God with all their might. And with singing and with harps and with psalteries and with timbrels and all cymbals and with trumpets. Once again, read between the lines here and see what's happening. Picture this scene in your mind. Here was basically a religious parade. And this religious parade, everybody was all fired up. Everybody was so excited. Everybody was just really, just made this is, this is just like such a wonderful thing, such a wonderful event. Picture it in your mind as this ark is being carried on this cart, and David and, and everybody, all the tribes of Israel there leading the way, if you will, and everybody's just shouting and carrying on. They're probably praising God, and everything is just, oh, it's just the most wonderful event anybody's ever experienced. In fact, if the thing with Uzzah happened, hadn't had happened... People probably would have gone home that day and said, man, that's just been the best thing I've ever been a part of. They would have talked about how well it went. They would have talked about how good they felt about it. They would have talked about, man, what a day this day was. I won't forget this day for a long time. So full of excitement and whatnot. And we need to understand, folks, that just because something is exciting, just because something is... It makes us feel good just something because something makes us feel like we've accomplished something. That doesn't mean that it's pleasing to God. There's a difference between the excitement of religion and the religion of excitement. We live in a day and age where people are wanting more and more. It's all about excitement. It's all about entertainment. It's all about big crowds. One of the fastest growing churches and one of the biggest churches in this area is the Elevation Church. And if you ever talk to someone about that, they talk about, man, you would not believe how exciting it is. You won't believe how built up I feel. You won't believe how when I leave that place I'm so recharged. You won't believe how much I enjoy it, the music and just everything about it. Talking to somebody not too long ago at the dentist's office about it and they were saying how that, um, they feel so good when they leave the services at Elevation. And I felt like saying, yeah, but was God pleased? Uh, we live in a society today where it's all about uh, us and about how well we feel, how we feel whether or not we got anything out of the service. It's not how I feel, but it's about how that God feels. It's not my feelings, it's God's feeling. It's not about the entertainment, it's about whether it's authorized. It's not about whether or not um, we felt some kind of special feeling or not. It's about whether or not Scripture was observed. Point is, as we look at this particular text and we add to it the idea of good intentions and we add to it all the different things that were going on in this text, if Uzzah had never been killed, people would have thought that this was the greatest day in Israel's history in a lot of ways. Because everybody was feeling good about everything. Don't miss the emphasis right here where it says, and David and all Israel played before God with all their might the excitement, the religious fervor, every single thing that was going on here would give the implication that this was the best worship service they'd ever been a part of. But then we move on in the text. And we learn that Uzzah's tragic death reminds us the importance God places on worshiping him correctly. And when they came into the threshing floor of Chidon. Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and he smote him, because he put his hand to the ark, and there he died before the Lord. A question that is asked here, why so severe? Why so severe in this circumstance Like I said, Uzzah had good intentions. Uh, They were doing their their best, if you will, to worship God. This was such an exciting day. Uh, But yet here we have a very powerful lesson with a very powerful visual. As soon as he touched that ark, everything came to a complete stop. God killed him instantly. And so the question has to be asked, Uh, why so severe with us? I mean, think about the different things people have done in the Bible and God didn't strike them dead. Uh, We were talking about in our Bible class today that and Scott's doing an outstanding job teaching this class on Genesis. But Abraham, who was supposed to be a man of faith, whom God had told he would make him a great nation, basically gave his wife to Pharaoh and said, you do what you want with her as long as you don't kill me. Why didn't God strike him dead? Why didn't God say, well, at least I'm going to take the covenant away from you. I'm not going to let you be a great nation anymore. Why was God not more severe with him? Or a little bit later on in the book of Genesis, uh, we have the story of Judah, who is the tribe from which Christ would come from. And Judah did a despicable thing. He had sexual relations with his daughter-in-law. God didn't strike him dead. God didn't really say a whole lot about it, other than it happened. Why not severe about that? And then later on, of course, there were consequences. But you got David involved in the things that he was involved in, even having a man killed. But God wasn't killed instantly. God didn't kill him instantly. Why so severe with Azza? so severe with Nadab and Abihu who offered up strange fire to the Lord. I mean, we're just talking about incense here, but yet fire came down from heaven and consumed them. Such a little thing. Such great consequences. Or even later on as you move through the history of Israel and you meet a king by the name of Uzziah who decided he was going to go into the holies of holies and act as a priest. And as soon as he reached out his hand in the holies of holies, it became leprous and he contracted leprosy and it took his life. Why so severe? Why was God so severe in this case? Uzzah just reached up and touched the ark and he had good intentions. Well, the point, of course, is in the text is that when it comes to the worship of God, God wants His worship done right. He may overlook some things in other areas. He may give us opportunities to make things right at times. But when it comes to God's worship, He wants it done, and He wants it done according to His will. I think that's why so many times in the... um, Old Testament, you see, when it comes to the worship of God and something that seems small and even sometimes seem innocent, God brings down very severe judgment or punishment. Once again, we have a very powerful lesson here brought about by a very powerful visual aid here. Can you imagine all the noise and all the excitement and all the music playing and everything that was going on in this religious parade? And there the cart bumps and Uzzah reaches up and touches that ark and God strikes him dead immediately. How all of a sudden everything came to a dead stop and everybody got very quiet. Because they understood something is not right here. What has happened And the point, of course, God wanted to impress upon these people is when it comes to his worship, he wants it done right. God puts emphasis on the fact that we need to worship him and that when we do worship him, we need to make sure we do it right. Folks, that's a lesson for us today. First of all, it's a lesson to us that when it comes to God's worship, God takes it seriously and we are people who should not be people who don't take it seriously. The reason why we come here on the first day of the week, the reason why we sit in these chairs, the reason why we do what we do is because God wants us here because God wants us to worship Him. Hebrews chapter 10 beginning at verse 23, he, he starts talking about how that we need to come together, we need to consider one another, we need to provoke one another, we need to keep professing our faith and not miss the assembling of, our saints, of the, ourselves together as a matter of some is. Paraphrase, we need to be here when God wants us to worship. It shouldn't be something that's an afterthought. It shouldn't be something that's just something that we can take or leave. God is very serious about when it comes to worshiping Him. He wants us to worship Him. But He also wants us to worship Him in the right kind of way. Jesus told the Samaritan woman there in John chapter 4 and verse 24, He says, God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. In other words, you've got to have the right kind of heart. You can't just simply go through the motions. But you also have to worship Him according to His truth. Once again, it's not about what I feel, it's what God feels. It's not about excitement, it's about whether or not we have authorization It's not about whether or not we feel sanctified in some way because of the exercises that we went through. It's whether or not Scripture has been followed. Here on these pages of this particular text, we have a very powerful, powerful visual aid. And if we could put our minds back there and think about what happened on that day and picture it in our mind and the shock that the people there learned a lesson that they would never forget. And we too should learn a lesson we should never forget. And that is when it comes to God, God wants His plan followed when it comes to worship. But notice what else the text brings out. A new cart is a poor substitute for obeying God. Look at verses 11 through 12. And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah. Wherefore that place is called Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of God that day, saying, How shall I bring the ark of God home to me? Now before we start talking about this particular text, I want you to think about the fact that we live in a day and age today when people are always trying to find ways to change the church. People are always trying to find ways to change the worship service, if you will. Actually, all, actually, we live in a society that's constantly changing. Um, things aren't the way they were a long time ago. Things are different now. So we need to change the way we do things. If we, if we change the worship service, perhaps we could bring bigger crowds in. If we could change the church somehow or another and the way that we do things, uh, like maybe the rest of the religious world, and maybe we can, we can bring more people in, the church can grow, and, and the bottom line is more souls will be reached, so that would be a good thing. That's a good intention. We can do that. And we'll say more about that in a moment, but make sure we understand what's happening here. When David saw what had happened with the cart and with the ark and with Uzzah, at first he was confused. What happened? Why did this happen? I don't understand. Does God not want us to bring the ark up? But then he started doing some studying. Then he started looking at some things. Don't know for sure because the text doesn't tell us, but evidently somebody hadn't handed him the book of Numbers. And he went to Numbers chapter 14, and he started reading about how you're supposed to take care of the ark. And then we get the conclusion. We find that Eric read for us there in 1 Chronicles chapter 15. He understood that he didn't do things according to the due order. He didn't do things according to the rule. And that is what caused the problem. Even though that rule had been written 400 years before David was ever born, it was still on the books. In fact, it was in the book. God's book. And David understood that he messed up. The new cart might have been a good thing. The new cart got everybody excited. The new cart was based on intentions. But David came to the conclusion that... What happened and the way that it happened was because he did not follow the due order, the rule, God's word. And so as we come to the conclusion of this lesson today, we can maybe uh, bring what happened in David's age to bring it to our age and think about as we go through our worship service, Are we going to do things according to due order? Or are we going to build a new cart? As we look at the religious world today, it's obvious that there are some who have decided that they need to build a new cart, that the way things are put in the Scripture, the way the due order is, that's just not good enough that we have to be changing people for a changing time, and therefore our religion has changed. But folks, even though it's been 4,000 years... Since this event happened, what happened on that day is just an important lesson for us today as it was back all those many years ago when Uzzah touched that ark. You see, God's due order is that we have a cappella singing, but the new card is instrumental music. God's due order of things is to have congregational singing where everybody takes part. The new cart is to have praise teams or to have choirs. The due order is to have the men lead the worship assembly and be in charge because that's what the scriptures say. The new card is to let women lead in the worship service. The due order is to, on the first day of the week, to gather around this table on every first day of the week and remember the Lord's death. Remember the blood that was shed for us. The new court is to do it quarterly or maybe not do it in, at all. The due order is to give as we have been prospered on the first day of the week, to give of our means the new court is to have raffles, bake sales, other fundraising ideas. The due order, if someone comes forward at the conclusion of the lesson and asks what they need to do in order to be saved, is to sit down with them and show them from the scriptures that a person predicated upon their faith and their confession and repentance that they need to be baptized for the remission of their sins. The new cart is to simply tell them to say the sinner's prayer. You see, a decision has to be made, and David understood this. He realized where he had went wrong. He decided that a new cart was better. But he knew now it was in violation of God's due order or not according to his rule. people say that they need to build a new cart. And this is what David's problem was. They were saying, well, I have come up with a better way than God's way. I've thought this through. And I think that this is going to be better for the people. I think this is going to be better for crowds. I think this is going to be better for visitors. I think this is going to give us more excitement. I think this is going to build us up more. I think when we leave here, we're going to feel so much better about ourselves. We're going to be just on fire for the Lord. But a new cart is never, ever a substitute for God's will. On this particular occasion, a terrible thing happened. A man died. A man that was put in that position because of what the king decided. A man that evidently had very good intentions. A man who thought he was doing right. By reaching up and touching something that he had no right whatsoever to ever touch. And a very great tragedy took place that day. David was troubled at first. David was perplexed. He thought, why has all this happened? But then he came to the conclusion, and this is the same conclusion we need to come to this morning. That he did not follow God's law. And when it comes to God's worship, God is very severe that it be done right. And so, as Eric read for us a few moments ago from 1 Chronicles chapter 15, what happened? They got God's word evidently and looked at the details about how God wanted to be worshipped in this particular case. How the objects of his worship needed to be handled. And they went and followed it, book chapter in verse, the Levites went and got their staves. They spread the staves through the rings of the Ark of the Covenant. And they bear that Ark on their shoulders like God wanted them to do. They wanted to go back and do it the ancient order of ways of doing it. They wanted to do it the way that God wanted to do it. And then and only then was it pleasing in God's sight. May we also strive to always go back to the ancient order, to have a book, chapter, and verse for everything that we do in our worship service, not leave it up to what we think may be right, or what feels right, or what maybe is more exciting to us, or maybe gives us some thrill run down our back. We are here today to worship God. It's all about Him. And nobody else. Now don't misunderstand me. There is a difference, and I've mentioned this briefly before, but there is a difference between the excitement of religion and religious excitement. There can be excitement in religion. There can be some emotion in religion. In fact, it wouldn't hurt maybe if we had more amens here. Or, God forbid, somebody might say praise the Lord Sometimes. There can be emotion in there. And there can be excitement in religion. In fact, I'll be honest with you, almost every Sunday I come here, I'm excited about being here. I'm excited about partaking in the things we partake as far as the worship service is concerned. I feel sorry for those who aren't excited about coming, aren't excited about being here, aren't excited about participating. There is some excitement here. And I can leave here and I can feel good about things because I was here at the worship service because God was praised and I did what He wanted me to do and it recharges my spiritual battery to be the kind of person I need to be. But excitement for just the sake of excitement. Good feelings just for the sake of good feelings. There's a big difference between the excitement of religion and religious excitement. Let us always strive to be people in our worship services that want to follow the due order, that want to do things according to the rule of God. We mentioned briefly uh, what a person needs to do to be saved this morning. If you want to talk more about that, we'll be happy to talk to you about that. Or if you have some other need, we hope that you'll come as together we stand and sing.